Chapter Twenty of Gunman's Reckoning by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It should be understood that before this, the men in Milligan's had reached a subtlety unspoken agreement that red-haired Donnegan was not one of them. In a word, they did not like him because he made a mystery of himself, and also because he was different. Yet there was a growing feeling that the shooting of Lewis through the hand had not been an accident, for the whole demeanor of Donnegan composed the action of a man who is a professional troublemaker. There was no reason why he should go to Milligan's and take his servant with him unless he wished to fight, and why a man should wish to fight the entire corner was something no one could guess. That he should have done all this merely to focus all eyes upon him, and particularly the eyes of a girl, did not occur to anyone. It looked rather like the bravado of a man who lived for the sake of fighting. Now, men who hunt trouble in the mountain desert generally find all that they may desire. But for the time being, everyone held back, wolfishly, waiting for another to take the first step toward Donnegan. Indeed, there was an unspoken conviction that the man who took the first step would probably not live to take another. In the meantime, both men and women gave Donnegan the lion's share of their attention. There was only one who was clever enough to conceal it, and that one was the pair of eyes to which the red-haired man was playing, Ellie Lebron. She confined herself strictly to Jack Landis. So it was that when Milligan announced the tag dance and the couple swirled onto the floor gaily, Donnegan decided to take matters into his own hands and offer the first overt act. It was clumsy. He did not like it. But he hated this delay. And he knew that every moment he stayed on there, with Big George behind the chair, was another red flag flaunted in the face of the corner. He saw the men who had no girl with them brighten at the announcement of the tag dance. And when the dance began... He saw the prettiest girls tagged quickly, one after the other, all except Nellie Lebron. She swung securely around the circle in the big arms of Jack Landis. She seemed to be set apart and protected from the common touch by his size and by his formidable, challenging eye. Donnegan felt, as never before, the unassailable position of this fellow, not only from his own fighting qualities, but because he had behind him the whole unfathomable power of Lord Nick and his gang. Nellie approached in the arms of Landis in making the first circle of the dance floor, her eyes grown dull as she surrendered herself wholly to the rhythm of the waltz, saw nothing. They were blank as unlighted charcoal. She came opposite Donnegan. Her back was toward him. She swung in the arms of Landis, and then past the shoulder of her partner, she flashed a glance at Donnegan. The spark had fallen on the charcoal, and her eyes were aflame, aflame to Donnegan. The next instant, the veil had dropped across her face once more. She was carried on, leaving Donnegan tingling. A wise man upon whom that look had fallen might have seen, not Nellie Lebron in the cheap dance hall, but Helen of Sparta and all of Troy's dead. But Donnegan was clever, not wise. 
and he saw only Nellie Lebron and the broad shoulders of Jack Landis. Let the critic deal gently with Donnegan. He loved Lou Macon with all his heart and his soul, and yet because another beautiful girl had looked at him, there he sat at his table with his jaw set and the devil in his eye. And while she and Landis were whirling through the next circumference of the room, Donnegan was seeing all sides of the problem. If he tagged Landis, it would be casting the glove in the face of the big man, and in the face of old Lebron, and in the face of that mysterious and evil power, Lord Nick himself. And consider that besides these, he had already insulted all of the corner. Why not let things go on as they were? Suppose he were to allow Landis to plunge deeper into his infatuation. Suppose he were to bring Lou Macon to this place and let her see Landis sitting with Nellie, making love to her with every tone in his voice, every light in his eye. Would that not cure Lou? And would that not open the door to Donnegan? And remember, in considering how Donnegan was tempted, that he was not a conscientious man. He was, in fact, what he seemed to be, a wanderer, a careless vagrant, living by his wits. For all this, he had been touched by the divine fire, a love that is greater than self. And the more deeply he hated Landis, the more profoundly he determined that he should be discarded by Nellie and forced back to Lou Macon. In the meantime, Nellie and Jack were coming again. They were close, they were passing, and this time her eye had no spark for Donnegan. Yet he rose from his table, reached the floor with a few steps, and touched Landis lightly on the shoulder. The challenge was passed. Landis stopped abruptly and turned his head. His face showed merely dull astonishment. The current of the dancers split and washed past on either side of the motionless trio, and on every face there was a glittering curiosity. What would Landis do? Nothing. He was too stupefied to act. He, Jack Landis, had actually been tagged while he was dancing with the woman which all the corner knew to be his girl. And before his befogged senses cleared, the girl was in the arms of the red-haired man and was lost in the crowd. What a buzz went around the room. For a moment, Landis could no more move than he could think. Then he sent a sullen glance toward the girl and retreated to their table. A childish sullenness clouded his face while he sat there. Only one decision came clearly to him. He must kill Donnegan. In the meantime, people noted two things. The first was that Donnegan danced very well with Nellie Lebron, and his red hair beside the silken black of the girls was a startling contrast. It was not a common red. It flamed as though with phosphoric properties of its own. But they danced well, and the eyes of both of them were gleaming. Another thing, men did not tag Donnegan any more than they had offered to tag Landis. One or two slipped out from the outskirts of the floor, but something in the face of Donnegan discouraged them and made them turn elsewhere, as though they had never started for Nellie Lebron in the first place. Indeed, to a two-year-old child, it would have been apparent that Nellie and the red-headed chap were interested in each other. As a matter of fact, they did not speak a single syllable until they had gone around the floor one complete turn, and the dance was coming toward an end. It was he who spoke first, gloomily. 
I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have tagged him. At this, she drew back a little, so that she could meet his eyes. Why not? The whole crew will be on my trail. What crew? Beginning with Lord Nick. This shook her completely out of the thrall of the dance. Lord Nick? What makes you think that? I know he's thick with Landis. It'll mean trouble. He was so simple about it that she began to laugh. It was not such a voice as Lou Macon's. It was high and light, and one could suspect that it might become shrill under a stress. And yet it looks as though you've been hunting trouble, she said. I couldn't help it, said Donnegan naively. It was a very subtle flattery, this frankness from a man who had puzzled all the corner. Nellie Lebron felt that she was about to look behind the scenes, and she tingled with delight. "'Tell me,' she said, "'why not?' "'Well,' said Donnegan, "'I had to make a noise because I wanted to be noticed.' She glanced about her. Every eye was upon them. "'You've made your point,' she murmured. "'The whole town is talking of nothing else.' I don't care an ounce of lead about the rest of the town. Then she stopped abruptly, seeing toward what he was tending, and the heart of Nellie Lebron fluttered for the first time in many a month. She believed him implicitly. It was for her sake that he had made all this commotion, to draw her attention. For every lovely girl, no matter how cool-headed, has a foolish belief in the power of her beauty. As a matter of fact, Donnegan had told her the truth. It had been all to win her attention, from the fight for the mint to the tagging for the dance. How could she dream that it sprang out of any other than a wild devotion to her? And while Donnegan coldly calculated every effect, Nellie Lebron began to see in him the man of a dream, a spirit out of a dead age, a soul of nightly, reckless chivalry. In that small confession he cast a halo about himself which no other hand could ever remove entirely, so far as Nellie Lebron was concerned. "'You understand?' he was saying quietly. She countered with a question as direct as his confession. "'What are you, Mr. Donnegan?' "'A wanderer,' said Donnegan instantly, "'and an avoider of work.' At that they laughed together. The strain was broken, and in its place there was a mutual excitement. She saw Landis in the distance, watching their laughter, with a face contorted with anger, but it only increased her unreasoning happiness. "'Mr. Donnegan, let me give you friendly advice. I like you. I know you have courage. I saw you meet scar-faced Lewis. But if I were you, I'd leave the corner tonight and never come back. You've set every man against you. You've stepped on the toes of Landis, and he's a big man here.' And even if you were to prove too much for Jack, you'd come against Lord Nick, as you say yourself. Do you know Nick? No. Then, Mr. Donnegan, leave the corner. The music, ending, left them face to face as he dropped his arm from about her, and she could appreciate now for the first time that he was smaller than he had seemed at a distance or while he was dancing. He seemed a frail figure indeed to face the entire bandit corner and Lord Nick. "'Don't you see,' said Donnegan, "'that I can't stop now?' There was a double meaning that sent her color flaring. He added in a low, tense voice, "'I've gone too far. Besides, 
I'm beginning to hope. She paused, then made a little gesture of abandon. Then stay, stay, she whispered, with eyes on fire. And good luck to you, Mr. Donnegan. End of chapter 20